Welcome to the second official episode of R Plus J Equals Podcast. I'm your host, Joseph Gatula, and this is my wife, my co-host, my partner in crime, Regina. Hello. I wanted to start the show with an apology to John McCain. Last week, I made an ill-timed joke towards him right as it was announced that he was diagnosed with brain cancer. Uh, We wish him well and for a speedy recovery. All right, let's jump right in. Episode two Stormborn, what an episode. It was really great, right? Yes, this was definitely an improvement from last week. So I was very, very impressed. Yeah, so with that said, what we're going to do this time around is start with what we didn't like about the episode and then move to what we liked, then, of course, go through the rest of the episode. So to start, Regina is going to go for one of the things she didn't like. Okay, so this is a very small thing because you know me. I like to pick on little things. But um, I also noticed this in the first episode. The entire time, even just leading up to this new season, that the sigil in King's Landing in the very opening song would be a lion. But they still have a Baratheon single sigil, so I just want to know why yeah what's the reason maybe it's an oversight or maybe it's the fact that Cersei is not really queen because she's not part of the bloodline but I just it just bothers me so I want them to fix it immediately I I don't know if it's on purpose or anything I feel like it's just an oversight honestly it's kind of weird though they've never like even after Jon Snow took over after the Battle of the Bastards last year right he they changed it over to a white wolf, right? Yes, and that was. Fun. And then even when it was revealed that the that the Boltons were the people who essentially were taking over uh, Winterfell, and, and season four they opened with a B- Bolton sigil. Yeah. So they're pretty good at changing things immediately. So I'm just curious as to why they didn't do it this time. There must be a reason other than an oversight. I, I just know. don't think that's a, that's just a huge oversight. I don't know. These showrunners, you know, with their new announcement of their new show, they are kind of boneheaded sometimes. Maybe. So <laughs> that's a topic for another podcast. Um, so the second thing that we didn't like, uh, I am annoyed again, once again, <laughs> by Sansa Stark. Look, we know you have grievances with how Jon does things once in a while. We know that you are trying to gain kind of stature as a Stark, trying to gain a reputation. But look, don't do it in front of everybody. Go ahead. Well, I have a solution. Why don't John and Sansa just meet before, have a pre-meeting before the big meeting and discuss what they're each going to say yeah. and what John's going to do. I That's really the solution to yeah. the whole problem. Shout out to our marketing friends. This is like when you need to have a pre-meeting before you have a client meeting so nobody says anything <laughs> stupid. So exactly. So these two need to work that shit out. But honestly, we know now that that's not going to matter because John's gone. He's gone to Dragonstone to visit Danny. But like I was saying, Sansa speaking up and being this, this whole feud is still creeping in there and it's still pretty annoying hopefully it gets nipped in the bud a little bit here now that john's gone and sansa kind of gets what she kind of wanted yeah but it's funny because i was re-watching the scene and 
Is, is she happy? I can't tell. Yeah. Her facial expressions are, okay, she was quieted down when he said that you'll be taking over while I'm gone and until I come back. But then she's also upset that he's leaving. So I just really don't understand what her intention is at this point. I don't think she knows either, honestly. <laughs> she doesn't know. She wants the power. She doesn't. Because I, I, I think she definitely loves John. Yeah. I think she doesn't want him to honestly go because she's worried that he's going to die. But at the same time, she also gets what she wants for for that period of time so I, I don't know if she's happy or if she's stressed if she's worried what is going on in the head and her facial expressions don't help because yeah. it's like oh smile see you later john but then it's like oh, oh shit. i i'm worried as he gets on his horse and uh rides away so it's just like really confusing yeah uh Maybe the little finger will solve that for us. Maybe it'll just, you know, kill her. Anyways, uh, the next thing that we didn't like overall. <laughs> look, I think Samuel Tarley. Wait, what's the guy's Randall Tarley. He is a cool actor. He has the potential to be the next Tywin, the next Bruce Bolton. But why are all these noblemen completely okay with what Cersei did? She just straight up blew up all these other noblemen. Why would they ever trust her? Why are they okay and like willing to follow her into battle? Why is that a thing? This scene just reminds me of the 2016 election <laughs> where it was just filled with hypocrisy and non-answers. Example yeah. A, fear-mongering by foreigners and immigrants, essentially, when Jamie was talking about the Dothraki. Yeah. Yes, I get it. Dothraki don't have the greatest reputation, but it was just so, so similar yeah. to what we've seen last year. It, and then, it felt like a thinly veiled attempt at a political statement. But. Right. And then when Randall Tarley was asking, how are we going to kill the dragons? And then Maester, or the Hand of the King, was like, we will find a solution. That's yeah. exactly the most peaceful. That's like healthcare. Yeah. It's like, yeah, we'll repeal and we'll figure it out from or there. Or how to get rid of ISIS. I have a plan. I have a plan. I'm not going to tell you the plan because, you know, that'll just reveal everything. Exactly. So this entire scene just reminded me of the 2016 election. I just also don't understand when uh, Randall Tarley was talking to Jamie and Jamie said, well, Olena Tyrell, she rebelled against the crown. Well, no shit she rebelled against the yeah. crown. The crown murdered her entire yeah, Jamie's like, bloodline. Jamie's like, she's like so obsessed with the revenge. It's like, yeah, no shit. Yeah. Everybody's it, dead. Exactly. And I don't understand why Randall Tarley didn't see say, well, no shit, because you murdered you murdered her entire family. So it was just a little little janky for me i just yeah. maybe it was lazy writing or maybe they're just trying to they, figure out a way to get randall tarley on the writers the themselves, side yeah the writers themselves haven't built up enough of a case on why the lannisters should be able to put up a fight and they're and basically they're like let's just make up this fact that some of these houses are still cool with them well right? and also it, i think the way out was that 
they're scared of Cersei because they fear her because Randall's Charlie about, oh, we know what she does and that's why he came when he was summoned. But I again, yeah. that that you have the that's Tyrell dumb. backing. You have an army of unsullied Dothraki and dragons, three dragons yeah. and the mother of dragons. I think I would pick that side, oh, yeah. not be scared of Cersei, yeah. who is all the way in King's Landing. Like, it just doesn't make sense. So that's why I'm just... A little confused why a few noblemen would go against the, the, the clear tire, winner, right? And go against the house that they've been pledged yeah. to their entire life. Um, continuing with Cersei or Cersei, whatever. How we've been having a debate on. <laughs> I how think to after this. six years of watching this, I think I came to the realization that people call her Cersei, and I've been calling her Cersei the uh, entire time. We might have to do some some digging to see what people called her season one. Anyways. Yeah, because a lot of people also say Daenerys differently and Targaryen differently, yeah. so they need to get their shit straight. So, continuing with Cersei, uh, the how to kill a dragon scene. That was dumb. Like, <laughs> just plain plain and simple. Kyburn goes to, to Cersei and says, we have a plan, and look at this thing. Let's go to the crypt. We have big crossbows. That yeah. is the plan. This... We're going to build this wall to keep all the immigrants. I mean, we're going to build <laughs> these big crossbows and just shoot them at the dragons. And that's it. I was really disappointed on their solution yeah. to killing the dragons because I'm thinking in my head, is it really that easy? First of all, a dragon flies really high or can yeah. fly really high. Yeah, they can fly low, obviously, to burn a bunch of people, but they can also fly really high. So when they do that, how is a crossbow even going to reach that high? Yeah. Secondly, I just don't understand how a crossbow that strong can kill a dragon when well, the entire time... Well, maybe they're time, building tons of them. They're building ton, tons of them, but then the entire time, it's like, they, you know, they even talked about in the books, how do you kill a dragon? No yeah. reference to a movie, but... For me... Yeah, it just seems so such an easy way out. For, yeah, for me, the problem is the fact that Cersei had this amazing, elaborate plan from last season to convince all these noblemen to go into the Sept of Baelor and get blown up because she knew about this stash of wildfire, right? That's right. a crazy, elaborate plan that's genius. Right. And now her plan is, let's shoot arrows at this giant dragon. And then speaking of Cersei and her weirdness, too, when she was talking to the noblemen, going back to that, she was talking about how oh, the Mad King's daughter is going to come and she's also crazy. Aren't these motherfuckers yeah. like, bitch, you just committed you, domestic terrorism. You literally did worse <laughs> you, than what the Mad King right, did. You blew up a sept with the queen inside of it and killed all of the high nobles of King's Landing. And the king committed suicide because of you. Exactly. I just... Yeah, so Don't understand. Hashtag Trump voters. A lot of cognitive dissonance there. <laughs> um, last thing in this list of things we didn't like, grayscale surgery. Uh, Not that I didn't like yeah. that they, quote, found a cure I don't or mind hopefully the plot, a solution. Right. right. It's, I, again, it was disgusting to watch yeah. the ooze. But yes. I was actually talking to some of my medical friends and they actually enjoyed that scene because they found it scientifically possible. So maybe it's just me because I 
Ugh. was disgusted by it. I had to cover my face well, and my ears. I can't get over the ooze. This is the second episode involving Sam with disgusting <laughs> bodily fluids. And look, let's just end it at two. We don't need a third. It's not necessary. We're done. We're done with this stuff. Well, let's just assume Jorah is cured after this. We don't need to see any further surgeries. But at the same time, I'm going to argue against that and say, well, this is HBO. They have to show realism. So, of course, they're going to show some brutality. Of course, it's going to be graphic. Yeah. So I'm not surprised that they showed it. It was just disgusting. But I'm also happy that he will hopefully be cured by this yeah. flaying surgery or whatever you want to call it. Or else he's going to get sued by a former lover the way that Usher was. <laughs> uh, shout out to you guys. Uh, listeners, you should Google Usher and his latest herpes scandal. No, come on, you spoiled it. Oh, sorry, spoiler. <laughs> Anyways, <alert. laughs> Google Google News Usher. Check out the latest lawsuit he's in. Anyways, done with that. Done with that. <laughs> now we can get to the parts that we loved about this episode, and there were a lot because this was easily one of the better episodes of Game of Thrones. This is the obviously the best episode of this season so far considering there were only two but this to us was the ep- the way that episode one should have been yeah we needed some setup but a lot of the scenes from season uh, episode one could have been cut down and this had a perfect balance of meaningful conversations action-packed moments mm-hmm. and like surprise moments things that we wanted from episode one rather than just a, an extended look at let's begin right so the first one is kind of a catch-all. It's things like Daenerys and Varys finally having a super meaningful conversation. Yes, it, because I always wondered about, if you watch the previous season, that Daenerys and Varys actually never had a scene together where they spoke. So I always wondered, wait, this guy spy quote spied on her for the first five years and she's just cool with trusting him because Tyrion's cool with trusting him so I'm really glad they kind of acknowledge the elephant in the room because now they confront each other and both of their the conversation made sense I was really impressed with Varys's answer back to Daenerys about how blind um, incompetence shouldn't be rewarded with blind trust to a a queen or king and he's for the people that completely made sense but on the flip side I understand where Daenerys comes from where she's like you can't just if you don't like me you can't just um, go behind my back and then try to get another queen or king so it completely made sense so she established her power but then he also established his logic yeah and they both understood each other that scene overall just felt like a boxing match back and forth between the two it's this comment versus this comment it was really cool really well written and very well acted and it was impressive so to go along with this catch-all thing about people finally speaking for the first time Melisandre going and seeing Daenerys for the first time Jon Snow being referenced and Daenerys now knowing about her nephew (laughs) Jon Snow this is what we've been waiting for. Well, she doesn't know that's his yeah, nephew. Yeah, obviously. Yeah. She doesn't know nobody that's in the world knows Jon Snow nephew. Literally nobody except the milkmaid lady. Nurse. And Bran. Yeah, and Bran, yeah. <laughs> uh, we'll talk about Bran later. But the fact that all these characters are finally coming together, interacting, talking about each other, it feels 
too good to be true. It's like we waded through tons and tons of side plots that were years and years of buildup, but now when we're seeing these scenes and it's thrilling. Yeah, you get excited, like you said, when one character who you've been waiting yeah. on for six years to mention this other character, yep. and you're like, oh crap, they said each other's name. You're so yeah. close. Yeah, all those teases of like John almost meeting up with Bran and any of this yeah. stupid stuff. It feels like, I was saying this reference before, it feels like an all-star game in basketball. It's like all these big stars finally coming together in these same scenes, and that's something that we love about this season so far. Even in episode one, a lot of these meaningful conversations and meaningful scenes, even if they're slower. Well, when they actually do come together, what's going to be above and beyond an all-star game? Um, the NBA Finals last year. <laughs> Not this past one, but yeah. KD and Steph Curry yeah. in one team. <laughs> no. Um, so that whole thing is something we really, really like. Going to a smaller scene, the Aria hot pie scene. I love this scene. I personally think Maisie Williams is the best actress on the show. Uh, she has shown her skills through her character for years. Since season one, I thought she was the best child actor, and now I think she's the best female actress on the show. Uh, her acting during that sequence with Hot Pie where she's talking to him, just eating her food, and she has no emotion. Mm -hmm. She's like a robot. She obviously mm -hmm. just killed Ed Sheeran, put his face on, and danced in front of a mirror for a little while, and then has no emotion, and she's like, oh, hey, hot pie. This pie's good. I just made a pie with human body parts in it. Uh, no emotion. But then hot pie mentions the Battle of the Bastards, right. Jon Snow, and a light switch flips, yep. and she goes back to being Arya Stark. It's right. weird. It's like this push and pull internally and she's acting it so well mm -hmm. and that switch flipped and mm -hmm. it's like hey i am a stark mm -hmm. i remember and let's change all my goals i'm not gonna go for cersei because i want to see my family again. right and i'm so happy when she actually turned north instead of going south but we'll see we'll see where she goes we know that she's heading <sighs> north it'd be a little it'd be a little how north <laughs> it'd be a little petty it's like Oh, I'm going to kill Cersei. Oh, never mind. I'm going north. Oh, never mind. I'm going back to kill Cersei. I don't. I think they've cut the bullshit a lot this season. Mm -hmm. That hopefully they're just getting to the point. Well, it'll be interesting to watch her journey to Winterfell. Yeah, let's see who she meets up with. Exactly. Um, the next one is how John is acting this season. Yeah. So. Um my previous uh, grievances and criticisms of John, I'm sure all of you guys are aware because I mentioned it in episode one, is that I always thought John was this huge, not real pussy, but just this dopey guy mm. um, for the first few seasons, kind of ditzy. But now he is so badass. He's well, so authoritative. And he actually is making... Again, logical decisions. I completely agree with his decision to go meet Daenerys Targaryen on the word of Tyrion. But I think what my favorite, favorite scene of this entire episode was when Jon was choking Littlefinger. Yep. It was so gratifying and so, God, I wish I had an older brother growing up, but... <laughs> 
It was just like, don't touch my sister or I'm going to just fucking kill you. It's like, why did you just reveal to me that you're a pedophile and you want to marry my sister right. who is 30 years that's younger than you? That's another thing. He basically told John that he loves her the way that he loved Kat. And we everybody knows how so he loves Kat. So of course John's going to be like, you're a sick fuck and I'm going <laughs> to choke you to death. Yeah, and Littlefinger literally is just like, yes, he's smart, manipulative, but physically cannot <laughs> out do John no, if he, you rewatch the scene there little fingers grasping. grasping at his hands or his hand has John is choking him and his hand just doesn't move I also really like John's facial expression he always had a little smirk every time little finger talked at the end and I really really like Ned Stark statue yeah that Sean Bean model hanging over the whole scene was Yes, and that yeah. the way they ended with the um, statue in the background as Littlefinger was recovering, I think that was very powerful. Winter is here. <laughs> that was a bad accent. Um, the other thing that you did complain about before with Jon Snow after his resurrection was that he didn't really act too different. Mm-hmm. He was just more mopey, right? Right. And it's finally we're getting to see the new Jon Snow this year. Right. Yeah. So I'm excited to see what kind of badassness he has left in him for the next few seasons and also just his overall look and facial expressions i think have changed i think before it was kind of like he looks like a veteran yeah i think he looks established i think he looks obviously he has experience he doesn't look like a a young boy anymore he legitimately looks like a king like a king yeah right for sure and speaking of kings our boy euron Greyjoy. And the sea battle, his boat, the silence, this was one of the things we loved about this episode, the overall. Just think about this. We got a scene in episode two that was arguably bigger and better than Blackwater, which is like the hallmark of the show in the first two or three seasons, right? Even season three's battle wasn't as good as Blackwater. So the fact that we're getting these huge battles already in episode two, and if you guys watch the behind the scenes the the production values on this was were fantastic, but Euron Greyjoy is the star, right? And I think um, what's interesting, I know we sing our praises to Euron Greyjoy. Not that we condone no, his violence, of course not. But um, I was just thinking about the previous major villains that we've had in the show, aka Joffrey and Ramsay. So those were kind of one note villains, right? So they were basically sadistic. They were kind, kind, well, Joffrey was a coward, but, you know, they kind of really didn't show their masculinity. They didn't show their their fighting. They didn't show yeah. their charisma. They were just sadistic, evil people that just tortured people, well, anyone that sick, got in the way. Because right? they were sick fucks. But with Euron Greyjoy, he's a sick fuck, but that dude can fight. He's a, and he's he's a pirate he's badass. A, right. Yeah. And he can fight. He has charisma. He is in Insane, yeah. but he actually is doing something that's more action than us watching a scene of, of torturing a human being or killing a prostitute with a crossbow. Yeah. The thing with Euron, it's similar to being able to cheer for the Joker and the Dark Knight, right? Mm-hmm. Or any other really, really good villain in a big movie. Yeah, you don't condone what they're doing, but they're entertaining to watch and their, right. their acting is so on point their delivery of lines, their just body right. language. He's all in on this character, and I applaud. I don't even know how to pronounce the, the actor's name, but I applaud the actor's performance so far. 
And I think you make a really good point that they're entertaining to watch because every time Joffrey came on scene or Ramsay came yeah. on scene, obviously they're a necess- necessity to the overall story and plot. And they were great actors. They played the villains so well. They were great villains. But I was never really excited to watch. I was like, oh, yeah. okay, I'm going to watch another bratty person, you know, say stupid shit out of his mouth. Or I'm going to watch another torturous scene where Ramsey is just a complete sick fuck. Yeah. So you're on watching him. It's like, oh, I'm going to see some action yep. and I'm going to see some jokes. Man <laughs> has some jokes and some crazy and facial some cra- expressions. Yeah, the facial. Okay, we employ everybody to go back to that final <laughs> scene where he's got the knife or the axe to Yara's neck. Watch his facial expressions when when Theon is wimping out. He's psychotic. It's hilarious. But Just also look at his face and watch his face. Watch that scene again and, and get back to us and tell us how much he loved it. And also, going with things that we loved, the death of the Sand Snakes. Or at least two out of the three. Thank God. I'm glad the Game of Thrones version of Kardashian sisters are gone. At least the two out of the three. Yeah. So which one's left? Is that Kim? Yeah. Is- it's the Kim. Okay. Okay. Let's just um, say that. So we're all happy. Like, they were a prominent part of season five. They got essentially written out of season six. They had, like, one scene. They had one scene in season six. And now they got one scene in season seven. But, like, luckily the action was decent. But we did get to see them die. I think it was really painful to watch when they kept on saying, Mama, Mama. Oh, yeah. Never mind. It was was two scenes. so annoying. Like, (sighs) I'm like, oh, my God. Seriously? No. Stop. Just can we please fast forward yeah. right now? So I'm glad two of the three died. Yeah. So that's the last time they'll be mentioned ever again on this podcast. Yeah. Uh, so the last thing that we really liked, and it's a little bit controversial, we enjoyed the fact that Reek came back. Yeah. I thought I was actually pleasantly surprised of this story development the story arc because if you watch the inside the episode the showrunner basically said as they were writing this they were writing this and they realized that what Theon went through is just something that you don't easily get over and that's completely true essentially Theon has PTSD I really liked how and you could really tell when there was a shift when he started twitching his eye it mm-hmm. just it actually triggered in me a memory of how reek was just his overall mannerisms in the previous seasons it was so surprising and and i guess in my head just oh wait but this totally makes sense if somebody was tortured for three or four years and they see other people around them essentially having the same thing that's happening to them of course it's going to trigger that mental breakdown it's it's essentially he has a split personality as well Mm. so it's like he was so broken down that he became this person this coward this weak person this broken person and by triggering such war and killing and around him it it brought it back yeah i think it's a testament to alfie allen's acting Mm-hmm. We've he's also one of the underrated actors on this show. He doesn't get the nominations that some of the other people do, but I think since season 1 his overall arc, his overall shift in how he acts when he switched to Reek 
those mannerisms, mannerisms that you were talking about. Yeah, it was crazy because he was at one point Theon Greyjoy right. chopping people up with his sword like a badass. Right. But then that one eye twitch. Look, I can't even do winks, right? <laughs> I can't even twitch my eye that way. And the way that he did it and then just immediately started to shift back into Reek yeah. was amazing. Right. And I again, I didn't think that was going to happen with Theon. Yeah. I thought he was basically going to just go with Yara and do the big battle and then die in some yeah. noble way. Isn't that so funny? So this is this is good stuff. This is good writing. I know we it's a, dig it's on a the twist. writers. Yeah, it's a, twist a lot, that... but I'm I'm happy that they're doing this. I'm ha- I hate that Reek is back essentially, and I feel really bad. I think it's very tragic, but then it makes. Theon, just so much more interesting and this story where the story is going interesting. Yeah, I think it shows that even if we think this show is going to be predictable moving to the, through the end, we think that Cersei will die, Danny will win the, the Battle of King's Landing, and then she'll fight the White Walkers, right? Mm-hmm. There's a lot of twists and turns on the way. We thought Theon might just end up being like a martyr and like mm-hmm. a hero and he dies. No. They, right. they sprung this on us. So I'm, I'm interested to see how he's going to redeem himself next. Yeah. Or if he's going to redeem himself. We'll see. Uh, so that recaps the episode. And now it's time for everybody's favorite segment. Did you send the ravens? That was your job. Your only job. Send the raven. Is it everyone's favorite segment? segment well they get to participate in okay. it so it, it better be <laughs> we need to pull that <laughs> yeah uh so first question from romel calderon will we see nymeria again or is this it i think this is it and the only reason why i say that n- not have anything to do with the plot is because the wolves are just too expensive <laughs> Uh, they have to shoot them in canada and canada only they have to spend all this money on cgi and Per Romel, who is a CGI expert, said that doing fur is highly time-consuming and, again, very expensive. So I think they won't show Nymeria again. And also, fine, I'll go back to the plot. Nymeria is like Arya, being independent, going off on her own, doing untraditional things. And so by not going along with her and being her wolf, all the way to Winterfell. Nymeria's just on her own, kind of like what Arya did for the past two years, you know, since season four. So I think we're not going to see Nymeria again. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if we didn't see her again as well, um, unless she just storms in randomly to save Arya. I don't think they have enough battle. money for that. Yeah, I think it'd be cheap too. Yeah. Right? Yeah, I think this was a nice. One of those closure moments that we are thankfully getting in the, these final two seasons. It answers a question that didn't really need to be answered. Where is Nymeria? But it, it was a good scene overall. And it's not the cliche kind of closure we'd get. Yeah, I actually go back and forth on this scene. Because when I first watched it, I did like it. But in my head, I thought the metaphor was more of that the wolf being connected to the Stark children means that they're connected. They mm-hmm. they have that relationship. Um, they have that spiritual connection. But when Nymeria sees Arya again, the reason why she essentially walks away is because Nymeria doesn't see the same Arya. Yeah. So I just thought that was it. That Arya is essentially 
Arya Stark is essentially half dead. And so her wolf, yes, I'm not going to kill you, but doesn't recognize She's like, oh, what, yeah. you know, when who she was before. But I was completely wrong. <laughs> I actually think I like my metaphor personally more than what it actually was when yeah. the showrunners explained the scene, which, Joe, you really liked. Yeah, I really like the fact that they're saying... I don't know how anybody really would have gotten this, but they say it alludes to a quote that Arya said, like, Ned Stark was explaining, oh, why don't you go, like... In season one. Be a lady. And, yeah, like, get married to yeah. another And lord. she's like, that's not me. Right. And her quote to Nymeria saying, that's not you. You coming to Winterfell with, Winterfell with me, that's not you. Right. And that's, conforming to yeah. being just and a wolf. It shows that Nymeria is just like Arya, mm-hmm. and she's going on her own path. And I did like that. But granted, I don't think anybody would have seen that call It's just out. a little far-fetched it was very to far-fetched, me. And yeah. when they explained it, it was like, oh, okay. But watching it, it's still a powerful scene. Yeah. But I just, when I first watched it, I thought in my head what I thought yeah. was accurate. Until- and honestly... One of the first things that popped into my head was because if you take it on paper as how it's written, that's not you. Right. It was like, oh, that wasn't Nymeria. But, but then I was like, wait, that no, okay. That was Nymeria. Yeah, that was. And also maybe that maybe she's just still pissed about Arya throwing I mean, a rock at her. <laughs> it's just a lack of communication. Arya's just trying to save her. Nymeria's just pissed off and she's just been eating people. So she's like, bitch, I'm leaving. Yeah. Uh, speaking of wolves that are always leaving and never on screen, Rena Ayalor asks, where's Ghost? He is taking a shit out back. Yeah, he is inside the safety deposit box <laughs> because that's the only place they can afford to keep him. I agree. I, it just irritates me that I get the budget restrictions and constraints of using a wolf and CGI and all of that jazz, but... At least have the wolf go with John to meet Daenerys. Why wouldn't you yeah. take the wolf? At least show a little bit of fur riding out with John as he says goodbye to Winterfell. Yeah. I'm asking know. for that. Just a little bit of white fur, people. I think we're going to get like one ghost scene this year. And that's it. I, I don't know. I think Nymeria killed, killed the wolf budget. So. <laughs> All right. Next question from Nitty Singh. Will Cersei turn on Jaime and kill him off now that he's soft? Well, we don't know that if he's soft. Has Maybe he's been using some Viagra. <laughs> we don't know what's going on in the bedroom. <sighs> if you're assuming that he's soft, I'm sorry. Is it because he only has one hand? He just has a gold soft dick. Oh. I really am tired of Jaime. I yeah. hope she does kill him. I just want him to turn on her already, and it's going to be a little bit disappointing because I think it's just going to be in one episode that he flips the switch versus be, a buildup. Yeah, it's unearned, right? Right. If he, if he does turn on her, it's it's not all there. He's basically the Mike Pence of the 2016 <laughs> election. My, so. yeah, complicit, right? Exactly. Um, I just feel... All of my sentiment from last episode about Jamie still exists now, and he's not improving it in any way. It doesn't even seem like he's starting to lean towards stabbing Cersei in the face. Mm-hmm. I don't know, man. Fuck you, Jamie. Uh, cool. Scott Roberts asks, do you think the Iron Islands has bad Wi-Fi? 
No, because they are iron, and I think iron is a good conductor of Wi-Fi. It's not the lead islands, and that's the end of that. Yep. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> uh, Blake Friedman asks, why didn't Castle Black send a raven to Winterfell to let them know that Bran is safe? I have no idea. I Maybe the timelines, I'm thinking the timelines are just different. Maybe Bran got to the wall when Jon is leaving Winterfell, but they showed that scene last week, so it's not linear. But it is a little irritating. Like, why is Jon getting these, the Tyrion raven, then he got the Sam raven? Where's there should the be Bran? another one, yeah. Right, there, where's the Bran right. raven? So let's mix up some joke theories. Number one, Ad can't read or write. He's illiterate. <laughs> Maybe, but I'm sure there's one of the 20 people that are there can read or write. Maybe? Doesn't Bran know how to read or write? Oh. He's uh, a lord. And so it's... <laughs> let's see, what else? Uh, the Wi-Fi connection's bad there because Castle Black is made out of lead. Or maybe Bran just doesn't want to go. He is a three-eyed raven, so... I mean, I guess this isn't a joke, but he is a three-eyed raven. Maybe he's doing it on his own time because he knows how things are going to turn out. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. It, it doesn't, doesn't make, make a, sense. It was the first real uh, scene of the episode of the full season other than the cold open, right? To show Bran and then not show him for the rest of the episode. And then everyone else is getting ravens. Yeah, and like people are getting to places super quickly. Like right. dragon scale is getting right. cured. And I know the producer explained that the timeline's not linear, but... I think it's blatant. I think right? it's blatant because they pointed out that John got two ravens already. Yeah. So everyone's like, "Well, where's that really important raven that your brother is in the north?" Yeah, or, or is at the wall. <sighs> Anyways, um, the next question from Taylor Grimes: What will next week's bodily fluid to food slash drink? <laughs> camera transition b follow-up question is blood to wine too obvious that's a tricky one so we've already gotten shit a uh, shit to soup mm-hmm. we've gotten pus to pie mm-hmm. uh what other bodily fluids are there that we can talk about in this podcast vomit to soup again yeah it's not it doesn't have the same ring to it mm. let's we should ask usher about this <laughs> Where's that uh, green salsa at? Oh, oh God. Everybody right. Google Usher. That's our second warning. Um, <laughs> well, let's just say blood to wine. Then that does re- revolve around somebody getting stabbed. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah. And the Pope coming down? <laughs> All right. Uh, Tony Manorino asks, or kind of just says, you're telling me the secret to curing grayscale is to cut it off and put Neosporin on it? How has nobody perfected this? So I was actually, again, to bring it up, I was talking to my medical doctor friends, and they actually agreed that this is scientifically possible. While they uh, attributed to a similar procedure, I don't remember the exact terminology, but Sam is essentially scraping off the grain scale. It's like a wart, right? Yeah, but then it's also dead skin scraping it off and then he also has these special potions that he read about in the library i'm sure i know we didn't want to spend in the restricted area right in the restricted area we didn't want to spend a whole episode of watching him read but you can just assume that he's read books on the potions that are not um totally um approved so we can assume that he scrapes it off 
and is putting on this special potion that maybe takes a while to make that's not approved and that's how it's cured so that's why a lot of people have hasn't done it just because maybe using those ingredients you can't get easily or again they're not approved so you can't get easily so that's why that's how i explain it in my head so that's your theory yes so my theory on why people don't do it is because they'll get grayscale from the exposure <laughs> and nobody wants it and everybody who's got grayscale it's like you were dumb enough to fucking touch grayscale so you deserve to die uh, yeah it's just too bad that they didn't or he didn't meet up with sam when it was just like a little yeah a little thing on his i wrist. love how the professor from Slughorn. Professor, professor Slughorn, Slughorn is like, well, you should have chopped it off to begin with. That's what everybody's just fucking chop off your arm right when you see this little weird ass. Well, like, if he did it. chop off the arm though, he couldn't have fight that guy in the pit to get Daenerys's attention and then end up in the final pit to g- save Daenerys's life. All right. So all right, I'll give you that. Yeah, he could have saved his own life, but then well, he wouldn't he have ever gone back to the After Daenerys. that, he should have chopped it off there because it's still only on his arm. Yeah, he should have just chopped off his arm. Yeah. He should have just done it the Jamie way. Yeah. Uh, next question from Nitty Singh. Was the whole Rickon Dickon joke a jab at George R.R. R. Martin? I don't know. Are we saying... Well, it's actually Rickard. Oh. And I think... So wait, Rickard Dickard? Well, his name is Rickard. Well, Jamie asked him, oh, you're Rickard. And he goes, no, I'm Dickon. So. It was funny. I, it I, was I funny, gig- but I, giggled, I, I don't chuckled. know what it has to do with George R. R. Martin. Maybe are you saying he's a dick because he hasn't finished the book? Yeah. But, eh. He is. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, it was a funny joke, though. I thought it was a funny scene. It was a funny brief moment of levity in a pretty serious episode though well, let's just say his dick on does not look like samwell no not at all <laughs> and they have very drastically different names <laughs> um john Getula asks how do you feel about the coming conflict between littlefinger john snow and sansa personally he's annoyed but none of it is going to end well he thinks yeah i mean i bitched and moan about this all through last episode so I, again, I don't know what's going to happen. Let's just lay out the facts. John is gone. So Sansa has the north. Littlefinger is looking at her in this creepy way like he always does. We don't know if Sansa's... Sansa. Sansa. We don't know if Sansa's happy that she holds the north or she's worried. We don't know what her next move is. Definitely Littlefinger is going to manipulate and weasel his way into her head and confuse the shit out of her. If that means telling her, look, kill John in some way, or I know that's crazy, but or take an army to the south to sabotage their relationship because that John explicitly said that he does not want to do that. We don't know what she's going to do. So I think I, again, am annoyed but I just want to get it over with. You're sticking with your theory? I still think Sansa's going to die. Yeah. Uh, it's annoying. It's probably the most annoying side plot, I think, of this season. Uh, can't really think of but any other But you said ones. you have, feel like you, it effectively ended the conflict between them. I'm hoping. Because she kind of got what she wanted. Yeah, I'm hoping. Uh, we'll see if that actually happens. But Littlefinger's still going to be there. I think anything at this point with Littlefinger involved is pretty annoying because 
he's not what is he gonna do about white walkers that come he right? doesn't care about the white walkers yeah so and that's the final battle he has this creepy obsession with sansa and he wants the iron throne so those are his two main goals so one now he has the ear to sansa because john basically left her with no advisors Hello, oh, yeah. let me just take Davos with me and then leave her with no one. I think Brienne's great, but Brienne doesn't, can't really advise her on politics. And maybe he entrusts Sansa to make the right decision, but she's a little unstable and she has basically disagreed with every decision you've made, John. So yes, even though that's your sister, but really your cousin and you just don't know it, I just am really surprised he didn't leave her with someone to advise her on, especially knowing that Littlefinger is lingering around. I think one good thing is, though, she does have the support of the Northerners, right? All whenever she says stuff, everybody's like, "Oh yeah, yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that." Right, but the Northerners don't have; they've never seen a White Walker before. So the Northerners are focused. Yes, they're focused on the White Walkers, but like John said, they don't see. Yeah, they don't know, they don't really know what they're up against because they've never experienced going against them. Yeah. So I think the Northerners, the noblemen, they can be easily influenced by what she says and what decisions she makes that might not have anything to do with the Great War. Yeah. It won't end well with Littlefinger. No. I mean, him and Cersei are effectively the two villains that are human villains oh i guess you're on the three of them are effectively the three villains that are left in this show um so i'm curious to see which storyline wraps up Littlefinger has been weaseling his way out way around for a good six seasons for so, his whole life right and has gotten pretty much away with everything lying straight up to John about how he was sad that Ned Stark died. I'm like, no, you helped betray him. So I just, I want a really good, gratifying end to him like we've seen with Joffrey and like we've seen with Ramsay. Yeah. And Walter Frey. We'll see. We will see. I I think there is room in the show, in the show's ending, for one to two annoying, evil people to survive. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Next question, Marty Hess asks, does the show feel different now that it's ahead of the books? And for sure it feels different in good ways and in bad. Seasons one, two, and three, and half of four-ish were very by the book, and I think they were very high quality. I think they didn't have the budgets for the size of the battles that were in the book. Battle of Blackwater Bay is amazing in the books. They didn't have the budget for that. Now, I think the writing was very disciplined, and I think there were way less plot holes in the first three to four to five seasons. Three to four, I'd say. I'd say season five, when they really started going off book, is when it kind of went off the rails. I'm with not gonna... uh, a good girl with a bad pussy? Yeah, that terrible <laughs> writing. That's when that stuff started to creep in. I'm not saying that the show is worse. Mm-hmm. I'm saying it's different less disciplined there's less rigor and professionalism in the show yep uh of course the budget went up the acting is better i would say overall but i don't think the writing's as good i totally agree i think 
it's a lot more simplified and you can tell that it's simplified. Yeah. So um, they're getting to the point. They're getting to the point where it's it's predictable except for certain things. That's why I think the Theon things was like cool. Are, was cool because it's surprising. But if you think about all of the interesting things that are part of the previous seasons that surpassed the books like Hodor, that specifically came from George R. R. Martin. Yeah. I would think that the showrunners would never be able to think of something like that ever. So you can tell that some things are just so easy, like a, um, a way out, that that just came from the like, showrunners. I don't think fucking giant crossbows were how George R. R. Martin planned to stop any of the dragons. Right, right. right. Definitely there are no... There's probably giant crossbows, but it wasn't a huge major plot point. Right. Yeah. It's not going to be the ultimate way to kill them. Yeah. Hopefully that explained our feelings about the show since the books have ended. Uh, Now the last three questions. It's kind of this group package. It's about our favorite topic. So first off, Gus Moreno asks, what's worse for Regina, the impending contractions of giving birth or another episode that has Sam Tarly and Grey Worm slash Masende? Well, hopefully another episode that has Sam, Charlie, Grey Worm, Missende will come first before any contractions of giving birth. Um, However, I will say that Sam, Charlie, at least this scene, it showed movement and it had Jorah. So I said in the previous episode, I'm okay with Sam as long as it is helping with the whole Jorah Mm -hmm. storyline. I just don't want to see him reading books or talking to Gilly. Yeah. Uh, Keith Roddenbostel asks a similar vein of question. How much do you guys hate that they waste time on the utterly boring boring relationship between Grey Worm and Missende? And my brother, John Gatula, responded, yes, and why is are any of these scenes necessary? Essentially, you guys are going to have to wait for our answer. You're going to find out during our hot take. But in the meantime, it's time for us to name our MVPs of the episode. The king in the north! And my MVP is John fucking Snow. Woo! The king in the north! So I can't emphasize enough how proud I am of little John because he is, yes, still a bastard and will always be a bastard no matter which way he looks at it. Um, But he is just so kingly. He has this little smirk. He has this look in his eye. He's full of strategies, logic, smart decisions. I think he know he looks at things big picture. I think the problem with Sansa, she knows she's smart. She she might think she knows what's best, but she's not looking at the greater picture. Mm-hmm. I think what makes someone a leader and a strategic leader is that they look at the larger picture. So I'm really, really happy with John. I admire his um, strength, and I just, again, love that scene with Littlefinger. I watched it probably five times already. <laughs> it's just so, it just makes me happy. Yeah. I hope he does it again, but this time he actually kills him. I hope so, too. Um, the thing is, the award's called Most Valuable Player, right? Mm-hmm. While John's scenes were great, it was mostly talking. How much okay. how much value does that have in an episode? The it has vi- a lot of value. Talking is 
comprises of 95% of the Game of Thrones Yeah, episodes. but the, the 10% of the Game of Thrones that isn't talking, but action, the true action comes from the most valuable player. And the most valuable player, two episodes in a row, is the king in the north! Euron Greyjoy. Wow, is he turning into the Michael Jordan of Game of Thrones? Uh, he came out of nowhere, won two two MVPs back to back. Let's say he's more like the Steph Curry of Game of Thrones. Hmm. He comes out swinging. He's got all this swag, those awesome facial <laughs> expressions. And crazy he's coming psychotic up with snarls and laughs. He's like, ah, ha, ha, ha. that does not describe Steph Curry in any possible way. Steph Curry is the um, most calm. Seems like a nice guy person. But I mean, you're on own the day. Just his entrance, jumping, <laughs> like coming down on that claw in the, on that pirate ship and crushing that dude while laughing. He's that, like, oh, that I'm here ter- to fuck you all up and kill you and kill these sand <laughs> sisters and just fucking blow up everyone. I'm going to turn fucking Theon, Theon Greyjoy back into Reek and just fuck all this shit up, and win, and then I'm going to marry Cersei, and then he's going to be the king of the You know, I want to go and rewatch that scene and see he, see if he did all that in skinny jeans. He did. Oh, impressive. He did it all in style. He probably had an iPod on, <laughs> listening to, I don't know, Hardcore Slipknot metal. again. He loves Slipknot. He but... probably has his own band. He, he They, they play in the, the doldrums of his ships. The name of his ship is the Silence. Yeah, that's cool. Come on. I mean, it was essentially silent when he yeah. attacked, and then silent as it was going away. Yeah. I mean, I want to give a shout out though um, to Yara because her acting and her yeah. tear, oh, so powerful. Just seeing the betrayal, the disappointment, the the heartache that she felt. Yeah. I just want to give a shout out. That was really good acting. Yeah. So to recap, Regina's MVP was Jon Snow. Jon fucking Snow. And mine was Euron, the boss, Greyjoy. So there it is. Uh, final segment of the night, the Dragonfire. Dracarys. Hot take of the day. And this is piping hot, like I said last week, but I think it's it's hotter than last week because <laughs> we share the same hot take. Are yes, you, we I, actually have the same one. Are you guys ready? One ring to rule them all. Yeah. We liked the Grey Worm Masande scene. Not for the nudity, not for the sex or lack thereof. She has really great boobs, though. She does. Uh, sorry. <laughs> um, I actually thought it was a good scene. I think they aren't going to get many more of these scenes, right? Oh, I hope not. Yeah, I think they've essentially, they're like, this is the last scene that we essentially need to show their romance or whatever it was up to this point. And it would be weird if they just didn't show anything at all of this. It's just like, if they had a scene where they're just like, okay, bye, mm-hmm. that would be weird. But like, the acting was really well done. When she disrobed him and he felt so ashamed of who mm-hmm. he was... Mm-hmm. That was a really powerful scene that actually gave you emotion to who the Unsullied are. Right. right. And I think it also just humanized the characters. Yeah. So um, I think, again, I didn't, wasn't looking forward to this yeah. at all whatsoever. And I can, I'm totally fine with not showing them again. Mm-hmm. But I do agree with Joe in the sense that 
you just feel the shame when she was about to yeah. take off his pants and just you just felt so sad yeah. and bad it's like it's like i know we make fun of it a lot oh does he have root and stem well we got confirmed that he has nothing but then you actually see the deep tragic sadness of what yeah, that of must feel like for a man to have to endure that yeah. type of feeling i thought it was I thought it was pretty powerful, and I think there is a purpose to this scene. People are saying, what's the point of this? Who, who gives a shit about these two, mm. right? No, the next episode, we know that the Unsullied are going to battle at Casterly Rock. Mm-hmm. If we have nobody to cheer for in that episode, if we have no humanizing feelings about any of these Unsullied, that they're just brainless mm-hmm. like combat soldiers then it loses some emotional stakes. But now if we feel they have emotions, mm-hmm. they're real people, and we have Grey Worm, and we want to cheer for him. We don't want Grey Worm to die, even right. though he's been kind of this side character who is not that meaningful. It'll mean something if he's in danger right. and if he dies. And I think the reason why we all care about the characters so much in this show, in this book series, is because we they, they get humanized we know their background we know yeah. their backstory and i think shout out to westworld that kind of is goes along yeah. with why you care about movies about robots and them turning against humans because you actually you know kind of understand what their backstory is yeah. and then you're like wait they have feelings too yep. so you're right so in the next episode if or when unsullied go the unsullied were always just this team of people that didn't have you know, they were just robots essentially fighting. Yeah. But now they're not really robots anymore. Yeah, it, it shows that... To me, that, at least. Sure, they were slaves and they just chose to go with Daenerys who freed them. No, they are making active choices. Right. They are doing this of their own free will. And they're people. Mm-hmm. And I think that was something that was powerful. I think it was meaningful. And it was way more than I would have ever expected from this scene that we saw alluded to in the trailers and everything. Mm-hmm. And... Yes, hopefully we don't have to see anything. Like, we don't need a post-battle hug between the two. Yeah. I think we're, we're good to go. We, right. we got closure, but it added to the show. Right. It added to the show at it large. added it yeah. to him. Yeah. Well, that wraps up our episode. It's a little bit longer. We're almost at an hour. Uh, thank you guys all so much for joining us. Any final words, Regina? See you guys next week, episode yeah. three. Here we go. We're g- think about this. We have a couple battles coming up, and oh, there's only five episodes right. left. Right, five more hours. Yeah. So we'll see everybody. Have fun. Hope you enjoyed the podcast, and we'll talk to you later. <laughs>